Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and once again, we are so delighted to be here now on Friday, the 15th of May of 2020. We have had a tremendous, tremendous time in the Word of God, building up throughout the week, and uh, I've been really blessed, and I know uh, we've heard some of your uh, comments and uh, that you've been blessed. The others, our listeners, are being blessed by what you are hearing. And on this Friday, uh, I don't think it's an exception. I do believe God has a word for us today as we continue to study what he's showing us concerning the last days, making the connections, what is taking place. I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you help us, uh, if you feel it in your heart, to share it with others. Share with others what you are listening, what you are hearing. Share these podcasts with others, and I know it will bless them. And uh, I know Friday, Lord willing, we'll be back with you again Monday, if the Lord wills. But uh, have your, your Bible ready, have your hearts ready today, and let's get ready to study the Word of God. It's always a pleasure to be here with the panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, uh, to be together and study the Word of God. Brother Marty, we'll leave it with you at this moment. Well, once again, praise the Lord, coming to the end of another week, and we have had a a really fascinating and 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 blessed time uh, in the Word this week, and and as we explored uh, many of the things that the Book of Revelation tells us is quite possibly just ahead for this generation, and and uh, next week we're going to, by the grace of God, begin uh, going into Revelation thirteen eleven and uh and explore the other beast that rises up out of the earth and 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 begin to uh explore what it is that that God says will also be part of this end time um global military political and a uh, spiritual uh component that that actually will um bring the world to the brink of <laughs> of destruction really but god's people need not be afraid need not be worried um those that love the lord and are pressing into the things that he is moving in their spirits and hearts to do and and so as i was seeking the lord today uh, i really sensed the presence of the spirit uh prayerfully leading me to uh and us to discuss uh, a closing thought for the week, which is uh, which is probably a little more practical. I mean, we've been out in some deep waters, but you know sometimes uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's tempting to stay out 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 there in, in those deeper things of of the scripture. But but really, also we need to understand what it is that we're being called to, and how it is that we're supposed to govern ourselves in the midst of all that we see happening around us. And as I was reading the word today, it brought me over to the to the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible, please open to the book of Philippians, because I believe that the Lord wants us to consider some things today as we head into the weekend. And we pray that uh, it will encourage you as it has us this morning. And uh, it's probably familiar to a lot of us, of course, but but it's always good to, to look at these things and, and dig deeper uh, into the things that God is saying and has been saying uh, from his word for thousands of years now. But anyway, I, I really want to look at, I really want to look at this because as I was reflecting on, on these things, the writings of the apostle Paul, 
I came to the, the most familiar uh, part, one of the most familiar parts of what he talks about. And I want to begin there in, uh, if you have your Bibles, in Philippians chapter 3 and beginning with the seventh verse. Paul is speaking and he says this. He says, but, but what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ. And yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but refuse, dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And the resurrection of the dead that he's speaking there of in verse 11 is the first resurrection. The Bible teaches us in the book of of uh, the book of the Revelation that there are two resurrections that will take place. And the resurrection that Paul is referring to is the first resurrection. The book of Revelation teaches us blessed are they that have have part in the first resurrection uh, upon whom uh, the second resurrection or the death of the second resurrection will have no effect. And that's what Paul is referring to there. He's referring to that first resurrection. It's quite extraordinary as he begins to unveil here what he's saying. He says this, though, that not as though I've already attained or either were already perfect. He says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, the Lord got a hold of me. <laughs> he literally burst into my life and took hold of my life. And ever since then, he says, I've been chasing after him. I've been trying to get a hold of him and, and apprehend him. And what he says here in verse 12 is, I follow after if that I may apprehend or get a hold of that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Remember this, whenever you see Jesus Christ uh, in the word or the statement, Jesus Christ, what God is telling us there or what the apostles are trying to reveal to us there is it, it's reflecting a thought of Christ as Christ on the earth. But whenever you see the, the phrase Christ Jesus, he wants to elevate our thinking to where he is now, which is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he says okay. this, he says, brothers, I do not count myself to have, to have already arrived or to, to apprehended the fullness of the Lord, right? He says, but he says, but this one thing I do, he says, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward unto those things which are before me. I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we'll see how far we can get today in this. I just wanted to encourage some people and to really dig into some very practical things. But understand, we've been talking about some very prophetic and deep uh, things, at least to us they are, <laughs> and and looking at the Scripture and what it is saying uh, that is just ahead of us. 
And I've had some, you know, responses uh, come at me from different places telling me that there are there's such a wide variety of reaction that's taking place to some of the things that we're teaching. You know, some people uh, are rejoicing in things that they've never heard. Others are are reflecting because it's some some of it is bumped up against their doctrine, so to speak, or their established theology. Um, mm -hmm. And then others have remarked that it actually just makes them afraid <laughs> of what's coming. Uh, just just such a wide variety of reaction, and and it's interesting to me because uh, all those things. There's nothing wrong with any of those feelings, but as we zero in on these things, um, it's very important that we we consider what Paul talks about in another place of of the fellowship. He talks about the fellowship of the mystery, right? And I think it's in Ephesians where he says that, that that we would have the fellowship of the mystery. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah. He says, uh, unto me, that's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then he says this, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians chapter three, verse nine. So he speaks of a fellowship of a community of, 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 of believers or the called out ones as the Bible refers to the church, that group of people throughout all generations that have come into the faith and become the children of God. And it is it's 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 very important for us to ask the Holy Spirit to take us deeper into our understanding and to transcend our everyday natural experience, just living our life, into the place where we are changed and and brought into a depth of continued revelation unveiling or understanding in the things of Christ. And one of the things that Paul first begins to tell us in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3 is this. He says, the things that were gained to me, I count them loss for Christ. And that's an interesting thing because if we'll dig into that kind of a thinking, it is so far removed from the current philosophy of the gospel of today's megachurches and 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 uh, and messages that you hear being preached from so many places and so many churches, everything has been centered around and focused around our individual lives, as if as if the whole reason that Jesus came to die on the cross and rise from the dead was so that I could add to my stuff and improve my current situation in this world and in this life. But the right. truth of the matter is, is that the gospel is actually calling us to a different place, calling us to a to a different world, a different age, and ages without end that are yet coming. When Jesus went away and he ascended into heaven, the night of the Last Supper before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and before he went to his trial and ultimately his crucifixion and then his resurrection, up there, he spoke to his disciples, and he told them that, that let not your heart be troubled. You know, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, he said, there are many mansions. 
He said, if it was not so, I would have told you. And then he said this, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you also may be. So even in his last words before he suffered such cruel and incredible uh, wrath that came upon him on Calvary, his heart was was already, his, his being was already leading us to, to be beyond this world. And I think in the age and the, and the time that we live in, that, that we forget and we don't really think about the world that is ahead of us, the world that we're being called to. The world, by the way, as Paul goes on to describe here in Philippians, and, and when I mean world, I mean the new heaven, the new earth, that which yeah. is being constructed even as we speak right now, that is beckoning us. You know, we all have a beginning, right? We were conceived, we were born, and we began to live our life. And so for many, the Bible calls it the veil that is cast upon the nations and, and the people. Paul called it, like Brother Jeremy and I were talking about before we started this this recording today, was was the, uh, you know, the, the, the struggle that people have in even getting to the point where to have this kind of conversation that we're that we've begun today because if we're if our faith is anchored only in this life then it really doesn't have any meaning other than to be thrown into the collective philosophies that 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 dominate human thinking but what makes the gospel so profoundly wonderful and what it lays forth in its ideas and its gospel or good news is it's calling us to something that that elevates or is intended to elevate the born-again spirit to the place as we walk with God that we we begin to reach forth into something that cannot be seen by natural means and by and large is ignored or not even considered not only by the world but by a compromised church that emphasizes the here and now. But what Paul yeah. says in chapter 3, verse 7, is, you know what? He said, I've reached the point in my life where the things that, that used to matter to me, what I used to call gain to me, he says, I've, I've counted them lost. In other words, I've reached the point where I've detached myself from what I used to identify with. Everything that used to make up me, you know, whether it was uh, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said, whether I was this incredibly religious guy, I was on the fast track to be promoted uh, amongst the, the ruling religious elite, you know, in his day. Uh, and and he's, he's trying to tell us that all of those things that I once had a, uh, that, that once gave me meaning. Everything that I attached myself to that produced a sense of my own value, he says something happened to me at such a profound level that what used to matter to me really doesn't matter to me anymore. I have totally detached from that, and as a matter of fact, he says I don't even I don't even uh, you know think about it. I, I, it's as if I've lost it all on purpose for a particular reason, for my Savior, for my King, for my Lord. Now, these things are easy to, like, say, 
you know, we can say, oh, yeah, I forgot everything, but yeah, I'm pressing towards my, no, it doesn't, you don't get to this point easily. You know, Paul Paul said, what used to matter to me, I reckon them, I, I assess them as meaning absolutely nothing. If we'll dig into that and think about that, what we are talking about is the effectual working of the Holy Spirit in a heart and a life that that suddenly over time and diligent seeking, it appears to be a sudden thing, but it really isn't because it's process. It's walking with God. It's, it's reaching the initial understanding. Before we can go into the deeper things of God, we have to come to that place. And as we were talking about earlier, Brother Jeremy and, and I and Brother Fernando and I have had these conversations many times, where, where we struggle as believers and where people find trouble uh, in their spiritual walk is in many different ways. But what we're trying to dig into here today, because it's vital to our understanding and will be the linchpin, if you will, the anchor that will get us through these these times that we find ourselves in and that which the prophetic word tells us is just ahead of us. We need to understand and be brought to that place as we allow it to take place of transformation and complete change where we begin to become more familiar with the things of heaven and this world becomes less and less an attraction to us. Paul said in verse 8, yes, it's true. Doubtless I count all things but loss. But but to a purpose, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. So literally what he's saying there is there's, there's two competing uh, philosophies of life. And he begins to elevate our thinking into another form of understanding. Because he talks about the excellency of the knowledge. He says there, there's a knowledge that life gives you. There's a knowledge that is common to all of humanity, our everyday experiences, you know, our, in our marriages, our children, our, our job, whatever it may be, you know, there's, and, and our, our universities, what they teach us in schools, all of that is a form of knowledge. But when he talks about, I'm giving up my life, it's not a, a blind jump off the cliff and I hope it all works out kind of mentality that he's talking about here. He says, there's a purpose and there's an excellency of a higher knowledge and a higher state of understanding, which is only found in the anointed Ishva, Christ Jesus, who is my Kyrios, which is the word that he uses in the Greek, my supreme authority. You know, this is profound because it has the idea of a switch like a light switch that's in our brain or in our spirit <laughs> that has been completely, uh, has never been uh, switched on. It's never been turned on. But somewhere along the line, what Paul's trying to reveal to us is that by the spirit of the living God, it's as if the switch was flipped on and suddenly everything that had once been in the shadows hidden from me has become illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And now I understand a higher form of knowledge. And that knowledge is found in Christ Jesus, the one who is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father on high. 
And it's that right. understanding, right? It's that moment of seeing that contains within it the power to change me. And this is the thing that is so difficult for all of us. We were talking about it um, as moments of inspiration, moments when we are lifted above the everyday mundane thought process and meditative concepts of our own thinking. And then suddenly right. we'll, have, we'll have a moment of awe, a moment right. of wonder, a moment when all things appear to be absolutely obvious and glorious and mm. we suddenly understand and we suddenly are brought into that place that moment of revelation where we see things as we're meant to see them and we and we realize that the things that we have been seeing suddenly i understand they're temporary and that something profound is reaching for me it's that echo it's the it's the fading voice that has been calling me all my life. And then there's these moments where I burst through the clouds of my own existence into the clear crystal blue sky of heavenly understanding. And, and what we fight for as believers, which is what Paul is describing, is to stay above the clouds which darken my understanding. But see, we begin to fall to earth like a guy on a parachute. We'll see, and then suddenly we'll fall back down. And when Paul goes down uh, later in this passage that we were just reading, when he talks about trying to apprehend Jesus, that's what he's referring to. See, he says, God got a hold of my life. And we know his story, right? He was on the road to Damascus, and a bright light, he says, that outshone the sun knocked him off his horse <laughs> and then it and right. then he was blind right <laughs> he was blinded <laughs> and that's kind right. of how how it begins and how our walk is we'll have moments of these blinding lights and then we'll have the forces of 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 that fallen world that we find ourselves in work to take away our sight and to remove our sight from us and so paul says you know i'm pressing uh, toward this excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And he says, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but dung that I might win him. That's a really profound thing that he says in verse 8. He's saying that, that the more that you attain and, and are led and lifted by the Spirit to grab a hold of these things we're talking about, another force comes against you. The more that you detach and begin to see things, he says, I've suffered the loss of all things. It's an incredible statement because it removes from us uh, the attachment of this world. And it does seem, if you're truly pursuing Christ, as if the things around you have begun to fade away. Your relationships with your old friends don't work out no more. Your desire to go get high, it ain't there no more. Your lust begins to fade. The things that you used, used to identify with as making you, you know, all that. Suddenly none of that matters. And as a matter of fact, you don't have the same energy level to devote to those things. Something has transformed you. And Paul is talking about this amazing metamorphosis and, and then how he views it. Because this is very interesting where he goes on to say, you know what, I've, I've, I've lost everything. 
everything that I once that once gave me a, a bearing in this world, suddenly all of that's been turned upside down. It's almost as if I was anchored in a boat on a, on a raging sea, but the anchor kept me kind of you know rolling with the wave. But once I came to know the Lord, it's as if the chain to the anchor broke, and now I <laughs> I'm being driven. In, in, a, in a particular direction, and I have no bearing. But he says, that's the loss of all things. And But how he responds to it is very insightful in verse 8, because he says how he responded was he counts them as meaningless. See, right. it's so easy to read these words and not dig into what the great apostle is revealing, because what we're reading is is coming from his life uh, and as he's writing to the Philippian church, he's actually chained <laughs> in a prison when he's writing this. Right. You know, and, and and so, you know, we're sitting here in the comfort of our own homes talking about it. But when he wrote it, you know, it, it, we're, we're talking about the, the, the panoply or the multiple emotions that he's gone through in his life and, and, and the things that he suffered. And so when he says, I count them but refuse or, or as meaningless, it, it, he's talking about arriving at a position. He's talking about really coming to the place where he's, he has trained himself or allowed the Holy Spirit to truly sever him from all those things that, that he was dealing with. I count them as nothing. It doesn't matter anymore. Have we reached that place? Have you listening reached that place? Are you are you on the road to that place where we can honestly say that everything that matters to me in this life or used to, I don't even consider it anymore? Not just for the sake of being some kind of a religious martyr, he says, but that I might have a prize at the end of it. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He says that I might win Christ. And... <laughs> Think about that, brother. You know, because he 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 phrases it in terms of of, of a contest uh, that 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 is given, uh, and then and then the winner of the contest is rewarded with a prize. That's how he views Jesus. He views him right. as such a treasure and such a a, a wonderful thing to apprehend or acquire and that is a personal relationship with him this is at such a high level of 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 development in god but it is what he's writing to the church and if we ever needed to have the gospel explained to this generation in its truest sense by the word of god we need it now more than ever because our churches are filled with people that are deluded and delusional as to what it really means to be a Christian. They think that Jesus, especially here in the West and in the United States, is all about being able to, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, to have a better life, you know, just to have enough Christianity sprinkled upon the essence of my life with my wife and my kids or my husband and my wife, whatever it may be, because it's all about making me more comfortable, more prosperous, and more at ease in this world. And that is the exact opposite of what the apostle is telling us and what he's writing to this church. He says, really what I want to do is that when somebody searches me out, they're not going to find me anymore in those places where I felt 
as if I could, uh, you know, have identity in this world. He says, you know, where I want to be found, when you come looking for me, he says, is I want to be found in Christ. I want to be found in him. And then he says, not having my own righteousness. In other words, not exhibiting uh, a, a, a sense of, of, of personal morality, however you want to define that. In his case, it was, you know, uh, trying to be a Pharisee, wearing the, the, the robes and walking around like he's a holy guy. When the truth of the matter is all of Right, self-righteous. That's what he said. Not having my own self-righteousness, but uh, which is of the law or which is of religion, right? But that which is through the faith of Christ. That's a powerful statement. He's not talking about faith in Christ. He's talking about the faith that Jesus himself exhibited when he walked upon the earth. And what he's trying to say is that single uh, son of God, the only begotten of the Father, he had faith in God. He had faith in his Father that what he was about to endure and go through was going to result in millions of people being brought into the family of God. And, and it is that righteousness which was attained for us by Christ, he says, that's what I want, that I am given righteousness by his faith, not my faith. That's where the charismatics go off today, right? They talk about, you know, exercising their faith muscles and naming it and claiming it. You know, it's my faith that brought all this into being. That's not what Paul said. He says it's the faith of Jesus himself, of the anointed one, right? He believed that what he was about to do was going to cause all who would believe in what he did to become the righteousness of God in Christ, which is the righteousness of God by faith. So then he goes on to say that I might know him. This progression, uh, as you can see, as we've been talking about from verse 7 to verse 10, it begins first with what we assess and what we let go. We can't even get to verse 10 unless all these other things are being worked out in our lives. Once we get to verse 10, he says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Now he's talking about an intimacy with him and then an understanding at a depth of what actually happened on the third day when Jesus walked out of that tomb. He's leading us into that other world. He's beckoning us, the apostle is, to to consider what is being done and what was accomplished by the Father through his only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, his Lord. And so he's, he's actually admitting in a way that there is much more that I need to begin to allow God to do for me. And that is that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, what actually happened when God raised him from the dead. And that's where we like to shout a lot in camp meetings, right? Oh, the power of his resurrection. Yeah, man. But, right. but then Paul, <laughs> right. Paul goes on, which is really interesting. I was thinking about this today because, you know, he actually speaks of the resurrection first uh, and and then begins to talk about about what happened before so he doesn't draw my attention to the cross first he draws my attention to the to the resurrection he says that i might know him and the power of his resurrection and then he says and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's the cross. 
So he starts with the resurrection and, and as if he's implying that I can't even begin to, to fellowship with his sufferings or understand the mode by which he laid down his life unless I approach it from the perspective of the resurrection. Because otherwise, all I have is a, is a religion of death. <laughs> and so I don't... Right. I don't I don't approach God by death. I approach God by the life that's in his son, which is his resurrection. And if I understand what that life is and what that power was working through him, then I can enter in to follow him to Calvary, which basically tells me that everything in this world is coming to an end. And it was all put to death on the cross that that the world that that we're still living in right now in for all in effect really on calvary was dealt with and 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 all of creation was settled right there so that a new creation could be born and that's why he references the resurrection i want to know the power of it what actually happened and if i know that then i can fellowship with his suffering He's saying, literally, I will understand why he had to do what he did if I really understand what he did when he rose him from the dead. He says, I can't understand it properly any other way. And I don't want to go off and talking about, you know, all this grace stuff and the cross stuff that, that, that that's so popular today in certain circles. But I will say this. Again, we have another scripture here, you know, uh, screaming at us by the very apostle they claim to follow in certain circles. And and he's telling us the opposite of how they teach it. He's saying, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And, and by setting that first forward, what he's revealing to us is that the resurrection itself has caused something to be born and that I can never understand why he went to the cross or what he did at the cross if I don't understand what the resurrection is telling me about what he did on the cross. And so he says, that's what I want to know. Because if I really know that power, if I really understand all that God wrought in Christ, that's that one that's one of your favorite scriptures, Brother Fernando, by the way, in Ephesians, because you always quote it to me, which is a powerful scripture, where he talks about in Ephesians chapter, uh, uh, do you have your Bible, Brother Jeremy? Are you there? Anybody there? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I got it. I got it, brother. <laughs> Are you awake? <laughs> right. uh, brother, this is... So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Can you read that to us, 18 and 19? Sure. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And verse 19 and 20, read that to us. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? Far above all principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, he says, but in the world which is yet to come, right? Yes. So he's pointing us to the higher uh, purpose of what, of what the resurrection was all about. That's what it was leading toward. But there was only one way to get there, and that was by Calvary. But what Paul is talking about here in verse 10 is what I want to know about him 
uh, is him personally, and what happened when he rose from the dead. Because until I begin to have the Holy Spirit reveal that to me, and that's what's going to be my focus, he said. I'm focusing on his resurrection so that I can then have fellowship with his suffering and be made conformable to his death. <laughs> this yeah. is really difficult but, to describe. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. Uh, that's very yeah, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say something. That word, uh, sorry to cut you off, Brother Fernando, uh, but uh, that word to know that, that he's speaking about, that I may know him in the Greek, uh, I, I love the word it uses. It means to be acquainted with, to be familiar with, to know. And, and and that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying yeah. that that I may know him, that I may be acquainted with. And and if you want to go deeper in in the in the Hebrew excuse me, in the Greek, it, it speaks about uh, intimacy between a, a a husband and a wife, and, and yeah. that's to express something deep. There, yeah. you know, he was being drawn to be acquainted with yeah. his resurrection. To be acquainted with him. Go ahead, brother. That's a, no, that's just beautiful because you're you're talking about uh, an intimacy at a level. That's what we're trying to express here. See, what we're being told is coming in the future. What we're being told is going to be required of the church in these days that are just ahead of us, in these trials that are, have already begun and are yet to increase upon the face of the earth. The only thing that is going to anchor our soul, and, and allow us the kind of quality necessary to endure is if we understand what Brother Jeremy just, just revealed in, in the meaning of the word that I might know him. See, this is, this is the, the quality of intimacy with Christ that goes beyond our, our religious experience, our, our Sunday morning service, or if, if we feel like it's showing up on a Wednesday night for a couple hours to hear the word. No, this is an ongoing 24-hour, seven-day-a-week pursuit of God. And this is where a lot of people check out <laughs> in their Christianity, only because they have not understood the beauty of what's actually being uh, revealed and what we're being invited to. There must be a breaking of the veil, of the wall of partition between between that which has dominated the the thinking of our minds and our spirit since we were children up until now. And after we got born again, it was only the beginning of what we were intended to become. The substance of potential was deposited into our very being, a new spirit. In order yes. to begin the process by the light of that spirit, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ in our heart, to renew our mind and to begin to illuminate the soul into places of intimacy, like Brother Jeremy was talking about, where we, where we become one with him and, and, it, and it transcends our mortal life. We begin to lose familiarity with the natural realm, if you will and walk as a child of God in the very natural realm that we find ourselves in. Brother, Brother Fernando, what were you going to say? 
No, I was thinking about uh, <clears throat> what you wrote about or read about in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. He's speaking about heavenly places and, and the world that is to come. And, <clears throat> you know, when we think of heavenly places, what we think of heaven, we think of the future. Okay, that's what awaits us. What, what the apostle is saying here is that he wasted no time. He wanted to find out right now in the natural realm who he was in the spirit realm. He wanted to know things pertaining to heavenly things right now. He didn't waste time. And that's been, so so that's what we're talking about. You don't have to wait till you die or the rapture. You can begin to walk in this realm and, and begin to seek after that excellent knowledge, the excellency of, of this knowledge of who you are. He said things like in Corinthians, right, uh, but we see through a glass darkly. Yes, very good. What, what he was saying was, I'm already trying to press within that veil yes. to know who I am as I am known as on that other side. That's good. Think about that. Yes. Yeah. Right? And, and that's in, in the pursuit of that, of of knowing how we are known as on the other side, is 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 how we are conforming to the image the new person, the new man that is in Christ. But yes. we have to pursue that right now. But in order, see, see, we, we, we think that all our life is going to be spent, you know, uh, trying to deal with this flesh man. Right. And, and that's true, right. you know, but, but what, what the apostle writes about is that that's already been dealt with. Right. But right. We, have, we have people that continuously bring up the flesh man, and, and that's why we have to stay t- close to the cross because our flesh at any time can flare up and we can begin to sin. And the apostle is, is, is stating, when you, write his, when you read his writings, he's stating the exact opposite because our flesh man has been dealt with at the cross. We <laughs> now can begin our pursuit Yes. to know who we are in Christ, that new man, Yes. and right. put on that new man. And, and that's, yes. that's what we're yeah. talking about here. You don't have to wait yeah. a whole lifetime to know who Christ has purposed you to be. That's what he's saying in Philippians chapter 3. He's saying, right now, right. my pursuit begins for that next world. My pursuit is, is, is beginning right now. I am pressing towards the mark. I am pressing to go within the veil. I want to know him, him in the power of his resurrection. That's the yeah. new world. Right. And and that's that's what that's that's cool. Go ahead, brother. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> didn't Paul did, didn't Paul say I don't even judge myself anymore? <laughs> right. You know. Right. He, he, and and then he was saying Philippians chapter two, which you're speaking about, brother Fernando, in chapter two, verse six. He says, and he hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ right. Jesus. And, and that's I mean, the way we have to right? see our. It, it, yeah, Ephesians. Did I say Philippians? Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians two yeah. six, that He has raised us up together. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. Is to understand that He has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's the walking in the Spirit. That's yes. yeah. what He's talking about. That's where we have to understand and see our walk, not from this earth natural place but in heavenly mm-hmm. places. And we will better understand this walk. We will better understand what's important, right? And, and, yeah. But powerful, man, powerful. Now, 
Now go over to Philippians chapter two, and we'll keep it uh, as we're winding this, these thoughts down on this Friday. Um, let's let's look at what with bearing in mind what both of you have just said, because what the apostle then lays forth before we even get to chapter three, in chapter two, he says something really, really deep uh, and profound, uh, and we, something that needs to be meditated on continuously. Uh, beginning in verse five, he says this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5 of Philippians, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself (laughs) and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, what he said there and what he's trying to convey to us by using that example is from the perspective of a born-again risen man created in the image of the son of the living God. And he uses this argument. He says he he's almost giving, he is giving us a description of, of Christ before he came to the earth. And then of Christ being born into the earth as a man. And when he says, let this mind be in you, he's trying to get us to understand that as Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born from above. He's using Jesus as the example, the pre-incarnate Christ, who is the fabricated form of God, the son of the living God. He says, who being in the form of God, he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. But when he was amongst us, he didn't, uh, he made himself of no reputation, but he submitted to the will of God and took upon himself the form He was fabricated in the form of a servant and made like men. And so what he's telling us was that Jesus, once he was formed and made into a man, in verse 8, he says, being found in fashion as a man. It's as if he's revealing to us the process of what happened to the man Christ Jesus. He so trusted God that he left his his co-equal status with God and allowed right. God to form him into the likeness of a man and that he had to 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 uh to go online if you will bad it's like it's like his soul once he became the soul of a man he found himself in a different form he had right. to he had to come and know God as a man and discover that he was now in in the material world in a material body. He was in the form of a man. And then he says, even though he was God, he understood that. But he also understood there was some different kind of quality that had to be discovered. Being found in the fashion yeah. as a man, right? He humbled himself. And he became obedient 
he learned the process of uh, as a man. And, and it's such a beautiful thing because what Paul is implying there is that the born-again experience is much like this. Only Jesus can be Jesus. I'm not saying anything different than that. But what Paul is saying is that when you were born again, it is as if like Jesus came from heaven and was born in his mother's womb and then was birthed into the natural world surrounded by flesh that he had to discover that he was here and that now he would humble himself to the will of God all the way to the cross. And he's saying the same thing to us. He's saying, understand this. You have come from heaven in essence because you're born from above in the same fashion as Christ. He says, let that same mind be in you and that you were born again on the inside. It's, it's incredible what he's saying. And then he says, As the word of God, like Jesus said about studying the word when he was a man, and, and he found himself written in the Bible <laughs> as a man. Yeah, He found himself Absolutely. there. Even though he knew he was from heaven and he knew he was God, he understood something different. He had to discover what he was as a man. 100% God, 100% man, he will forever be different than us. And yet we'll be like him, right? But he's he's the only one of his kind, is what I'm saying. You know, so don't get me wrong what I'm saying here. But Paul yeah. is trying to convey something so profoundly deep. He's literally saying, When you were born again, it was like when Jesus came and was deposited in in the womb of Mary. And then he was he he was birthed and his humanity, his perfect humanity, had to discover he was now housed in a body. And he's using that as a premise to let us know when we were born again, he said, we need to do the same thing that he did. He said, have that same mind. Understand that you need to be found like he found himself. (laughs) Right? He's telling us, we want you, God wants you, hallelujah, (laughs) to understand. Right? And that's why he says, oh, I got to know him. I got to understand what he did. I got to understand that power of his resurrection so that I can adequately follow him. Like he told us to take up your cross and follow me now. Because the taking up of the cross is is the embracing of the rejection of this fallen world. And the power Mm -hmm. of the resurrection is the power of God that has created a whole new world. And by identifying with him, I'm saying I reject everything that this whole system reflects because all it reflects is a devil that fell in the dateless path and plunged it all into decay and destruction. But my master came and his powerful resurrection declared that a new age and a new heaven and a new earth has been established. And and if I know that, he says, I can now begin to follow in his footsteps and we'll have an intimate fellowship. I'll understand his sufferings in such a way that I've never understood before. And and then I give myself in that pursuit to being made into the very way that he died. So I die to this world. 
And he said, if I do that, I'm going to try every way I can, verse 11, so that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, just like he did. <laughs> Praise God. Glory <laughs> to God. Lord, man, I mean, this, how how far below that kind of speaking that Paul is doing here are we in our churches today? You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, no, it, no, and, and it's true because we, when we teach the apostles' teachings, we put the emphasis on his life, and he's trying to put the emphasis on Christ's life. Amen. Right? And, yes. and and we have to we have to be very careful with that, you know. I, I've heard people say, "Well, he's the he's the greatest example of of Christianity." Yeah, but he he's pointing us to follow Christ, and he's he's bringing some yes. points out here. And you brought out some points that are incredible. That understand this: that everything that is available to us today is got uh, the direction of of the Father through His Word, the Holy Spirit was available to Jesus Christ. And but yeah. as a human, as a man, he had to learn number one, who he was. He he was yeah. God. But he yeah. was man also. So he was in the process of learning and and yeah. and, and, and not missing one opportunity, one uh assignment. Right? He was perfect. He was yeah. sinless. So Great. what Paul's saying is that Jesus had to learn who he was and, and ultimately had to go to his cross so that that resurrection body, that resurrection life, right, uh, would resurrect them from the dead. Jesus yeah. laid the same example that we must follow as he did. In order yeah. to understand who we are in Christ, we have yeah. to know who Christ is, what he's done, but we have to know him in the power of his resurrection because that's where our new life begins. He is the yeah. first fruits, right, of the resurrection. He is the first fruits of this new world. Yes. He is and the it's creator of this new world. Yes, and it's a beautiful thing that that the Holy Spirit leads us to in the, this type of, of revelation, this type of thinking. It is so uh, so much the antithesis of modern-day religion of pseudo Christianity, it 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 beckons to something far deeper and not easily understood. That's why what Brother Jeremy was reading in, in Ephesians chapter one there, verse eighteen, I think it was, where he said, I I'm praying that the eyes of, of, of the deepest part of you, your understanding, would be enlightened so that you might know, yeah. right? <laughs> so that you might know what the glory of the riches are of his inheritance in the saints and that you you might uh you know understand what it is that he did when he actually raised jesus from the dead he keeps pointing us to the resurrection because that's the key what god did in christ is multi-dimensional one of the things that is said of god is that he was in christ reconciling all of creation unto himself he was restoring it he was uh, redeeming it. He was purchasing every atom, every molecule, every cell, every proton, neutron, quark, whatever you want to call it, man. Everything of the building blocks of all that is substantive and dimensional and, 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 uh, 
and, and has dominion and domain wherever life was is what he purchased back. And this is why it is so profound to understand it from the perspective that Paul is telling us to understand it from. I want to have that kind of intimacy so that I can understand what actually happened when his father raised him from the dead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no. This is amazing. I mean, the apostle Paul was, you want to, if you want to use the words, he was out there. He was so <laughs> in heavenly places. The, yes, he brother. was reaching a point where he was forgetting, my God, forgetting yes. who he was on this Hallelujah. earth. Hallelujah. Think about that. That's the part that we're talking about because that's the part that I'm trying to just beginning to understand, just beginning, man, like a drop in an ocean, right? I mean, I'm trying trying to search for words for what we're talking about. We're we're three individual uh, brothers in the Lord, and we still can't even penetrate but scratch the surface at what this great apostle is telling us Jesus did to him. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, which is quite the opposite with us, you know, Christian Christianity today. We remember the man on earth a lot. Yeah. That's and, true. But we do not true? remind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, we do not remind the people of the new man. Right. You know? No, you're right. Jeremy, the what the are resurrection you life. Yes. You know, it, it just makes me wonder, and this is just me thinking out loud, brothers, so forgive me, but, you know, Jesus as a man in his life, as a man here, lived for 33 and a half years, right? And we don't get much information from the age of 12 to the age of 30, but right. it does say this. It says Jesus in that process increased in wisdom yeah. and stature. And in favor with God, this speaks of a maturity, uh, of becoming a man in familiarity where he was in. You get what I'm saying? It's Absolutely. You know, it's powerful. It doesn't give much, but it does tell us this. He increased increased in wisdom, the wisdom that, that you know, of, of a man searching, right? <laughs> the wisdom. Yes. Uh, yes. In stature and in favor with God. I, I just thought that, that thought was just coming to my mind. That you guys were speaking. Yeah, that's exactly what what Paul was saying, right? Being found in, 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 let me read that again. He said, uh, being uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Mm. That's what you're talking about. He grew in wisdom and stature, right? He, 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 He was in process like inhuman. But his yeah. process was perfect. He never yes, ever exactly. missed it. Right? His process was perfect. That's why he'll always be uh, the only Hallelujah. one worthy. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's what Paul yeah. is saying. I want to know him, man. I want to know this Jesus. You know, I, 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 I have lost everything because of him. So radical was the initial brightness of that light he said that it's propelled me forward to a life where like you said so beautifully brother fernando where he was completely detached from this world you know this is this is a process of time and 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 a pursuit of something so deep that we just barely are on the 
fringes of it because it's a lifetime of of surrender to God. It's those intimate places like like we were talking about earlier when Paul talks about I count it loss. You know, some little statement like that is filled with such intense depth, you know, to mm-hmm. literally say that I have been developed by the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God, who's, who's, whose whole job is to reveal Christ to me and make me into the image of the Son of the living God. When Paul makes a statement like, I count it all lost, he's talking about a place arrived at. It's it's yes. it's a component of personality arrived at spiritual quality, spiritual uh, depth and 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 foundation arrived at. It's not something that we can just quote. It is something that we must become, and it's a process of God. And with each incremental step, He begins to transform us into the image of His dear Son. To the point yes. when we get to verse 10, like we were talking about, he says, now, I, now I'm ready. I want to go further in this intimate thing like you described, Brother Jeremy, earlier, which is, can only – he likened it to the beautiful intimacy of a, of a husband and wife becoming absolute one spirit, one flesh. Yes. He wasn't satisfied as, as yeah. great and as magnificent as as what he was experiencing in his spirit the ultimate union that he was going on later to talk about would be the redemption of his own being because i'm limited he basically says in that i'm housed in this in this fallen flesh you know right. and, and i'm and that's why he talks about so i'm yearning to attain the resurrection because then my union will be complete. Oh my God! Amen. Glory, Glory to God. God. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, it will be, be unhindered. It will be unhindered. Glory. To yes. God. yes, sir. Yeah, pursue. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> my Lord. And so he says, you know what? He says, uh, he says, look, uh, it's not like I've already attained all these things in verse 12, right? He says, but I'm following after it. I'm, I'm pressing hard that I might be, that I might apprehend that for which I'm apprehended. He says, I, God got a hold of me for this, all that we've been talking about. And now I'm trying to get a hold of God. And then he says, brothers, I don't count myself to, to, to have arrived, to have apprehended, but I do do this. I have reached this point, he says, this one thing, he says, I completely forget those things that are behind me now. They don't. Oh, yes. Right. And that's what we're striving for. That's what we want. You know, it's that process of Hebrews 11. Right. And he said, you know, having seen the promises afar off. Right. They were persuaded by them. They embraced them. They confess that they're now strangers and pilgrims. That's what he's saying. I'm at the stranger and pilgrim place, man. I forget those things which are behind me and I'm reaching. He's exerting his his whole being, his mind, his soul and all the strength that he has toward that which he's caught a glimpse of that which is before me. And he says, I press toward the mark. In other words, I'm pursuing this thing. It's not just an imaginary thing anymore with me. It is my everything. 
It is why I live and breathe and have my being in my God. It is what has taken me and radically changed me to the point I don't even recognize my old self and it doesn't even matter. I'm pressing toward the yeah. thing that is hidden, the mark. It literally means the concealed thing. He begins to talk and use words like the mark, which means like a scout that's sent on a mission to spy out the land at, at this distant mark or this goal to which he's being called. He calls it the prize uh, of the high yeah. calling. The word, that, that word prize is that award that is given to a man who's victorious in the arena. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he's saying everybody's going to witness this reward. Everybody. When we stand before our Lord and, and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to say like the, like the prophet Isaiah said that, that they'll say in that day, this is my God. This is, who, yes. this is who I've waited for. I know him. This is my God, you know, and, 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 and he will come and his reward is with him, he said, right? Yes. It, it, yes. He's going to mm -hmm. publicly take the, the, the saints of the living God and he's going to make every principality, every devil, every sinner, every backslide, all those people who didn't make it through because they love this world more than they loved him. He's going to make them uh, observe as he gives you your reward and says, enter into the glory of thy Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what he's talking about. He says yes. this award, this prize of the high calling. The word high calling means the quarters of the north. He's literally talking about the quarters of the north or where heaven is, where the Lord is. Yes. And this calling is yes. that divine invitation to a feast, right? To embrace my salvation, to be part of what's coming and to share in it, to be called out loud by the voice from heaven that echoes in my spirit and urges me on to my heavenly home. That is what anchors our soul, and, and that is what we pray the Holy Spirit encourages all of us to continue and by his strength to, to continue to pursue our Lord at these levels so that the very act of it and with every revelation, with every spark of sight and awe and those momentary glimpses of glory, they themselves work within us a far more exceeding weight of glory. And that is our hope. That is what we're pressing towards. And that yes. is what will anchor us and get us through these days and these times that are just ahead. Can you yeah. say amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. I, think it's a, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking, <clears throat> sorry, Pastor. Uh, no, no worries. You know, church has, be, church has become a place of, many avenues you know you ask christians today you know what is christianity to you well it's a i go to church um, i'm in ministry my yeah. family is in church but right. the apostle paul said this, this, these words he said this one thing i do oh yeah i remember Hallelujah. i remember being told you know uh, when i was a kid it's better to be good at one thing than you know, and concentrate on one thing than than concentrate on many things and not get it, you know, the rest of the things right. But you can never fail in this one pursuit, you know, <laughs> if you just keep Hallelujah. going, if you just keep, keep going, just mm -hmm. one thing, right? If we if, if if we can learn anything from this pandemic is that we can come back to this one thing, you know, that I may know Him. 
That's what it's always been about. That's what the apostles' pursuit was was about. That's what our pursuit is about, you know. And it should be every every child of God. This one thing I do. I may not know how to do a lot of things, but I am going <laughs> to do one thing. Yeah, and that's going to be my life's journey: is to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conform unto His death. So let that be yes. your pursuit. Him, yes, Jesus, Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's. Uh, I would like to, to to end today with the scripture speaking about Jesus, the man, and his how he pursued his father as a man, and how yes. he learned obedience, and that's found in Hebrews chapter five, verse seven and verse eight, and it says, speaking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh. When he had su- when he had offered up prayers, supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto Hallelujah. all them that obey him. My Thank Lord. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Learned obedience by the things which he suffered as a man. And it's been an impactful, tremendous, tremendous way to finish off our week. It's ministered to my life. I'm in tears. Just, uh, I want to pursue God. Hallelujah. And I pray that that's your prayer. That's Brother Fernando said, this one thing I do, that I may know him, him, Jesus Christ. And he wants to be known. I want to tell you, listener, he wants to be known. He desires to be known. You know, one, one thing that, 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 that impacts me in, in the days of Nehemiah, the Bible says that in his prayer, he said, we desire to fear your name and prosper. We desire to fear your name, to know you, to know you in this hour. And that's what God is raising up in this hour, listener. He's, he's uh, to our friends that are listening, I, I tell you, he's looking and preparing a generation I will seek after him. I will seek after him that I may know him, that I may know him. We pray that you've been blessed on this Friday as we get ready for the weekend. We don't know what's ahead of us exactly, but we do know that he is with us. And Lord willing, if he allows us to, we'll be back here Monday uh, studying the word of God. May God bless you. May God keep you and keep looking up.